The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 in Irvine. Welcome to In the Garden. This is a radio program hosted by the University of California Master Gardeners. I'm a Mark Fairley host for today, and today's subject will be weeds. Now, why weeds? Okay, think about this. Weeds are traditionally one of the three reasons gardeners stop gardening. Give you an example. It's early spring, and frosts are passed, and the urge to work in the garden overwhelms us. So we start out by cleaning out the old beds, rototill or dig up the soil, and add our compost or amendments, and begin to plant what we want. After the plants begin to grow, then come the vicious weeds. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I have a wonderful guest, Dr. Sharon, Cheryl, excuse me, Willen. Cheryl is the area IPM advisor in Orange County. And welcome, Cheryl. Where, you know, I know you, we said you're an IPM, area IPM advisor. What does IPM mean? Okay, well, thanks, Mark. Thank you uh, for inviting me to come and speak on your radio show. I really appreciate this opportunity. So IPM is, is a short... It's okay. okay. So IPM stands for Integrated Pest Management. So you often hear people talking about an IPM program, and IPM is used as a method so that one just doesn't rely on pesticides as the main method of pest management. Can you tell us what those other areas are involving? Okay, so what the other things that someone might integrate, so we're going back to the IPM, Integrated Pest Management Terminology, some things that people might integrate in pest management would be rather than just using a, a chemical type of control, one could, uh, so we're talking about weeds, so one might uh, hand pull weeds. And I know that's not what people's favorite thing to do is. That's a mechanical issue, right? That's right, that's right. So that's, that would be something that's considered manacle. <laughs> it could be manacle, I guess, maniacal. But, um, but that's one method. Or you could do something that's considered a cultural type of pest management. And what that does would, that mean? So that would mean, for example, one could plant their transplants a little bit closer together, and that would shade out or otherwise outcompete weeds that are coming up. So that's oh, it. I like that. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great method of of pest management. You can use that in your um, ornamental planting beds, or you could use it in your home garden. Um, there, you could uh, do it a number of different ways. If you have a big area, you might even consider um, trying something like a cover crop. Mm -hmm. So, what, what do you mean a cover crop? Okay, so a cover crop would be 
something like planting on purpose something like a, a clover that might die when it gets cold. So you'd plant it in the spring, and then it would grow through the summer, and then it would uh, outcompete all the weeds that might be between the rows of your um, vegetable garden or your fruit trees. And then you can mow it, or, or when you mow it, you just leave the clippings back between the rows, and that gives back some organic matter. And then because it's clover, that also provides some nitrogen to the soil, to the plants that they're growing. So that's just one example of a cover crop. But the idea is that that will smother out the weeds. And, and in place of that, you get something that actually gives something back that's better for what you want to grow. Would you consider adding mulch to the top of the soil as a cultural? That, that's actually considered a physical method of weed. Uh, so you have your cultural, okay, so that'd be the, for example, the, the example I gave you was using uh, plants plant, planted close together. Um, you have your uh, mechanical, that would be hand weeding or rototilling or something like that. And then mulch is considered physical because it's a physical cover over the, the soil surface that suppresses the growth of weeds. So the way that mulches suppress the growth of weeds, and I'm talking about what we call organic mulch, and that would be things like um, bark or wood chips, um, rice hulls, even a layer of compost if the compost isn't very fine. Anything that goes over the top of a soil surface is considered a mulch. So that blocks out light, and all plants need light to grow, so by putting down a nice thick layer of mulch, as the weeds emerge, they don't get enough light to continue their growth. So mulches are really great. I love mulches, the organic type. Again, when I use organic, I mean they're plant-based. They they're not necessarily organic in the, in the sense that um, they're, they were produced without any chemicals because many times we don't know that. A lot of times they're just from um, tree clippings or... Um, trees that have been ground up after they've been cut down. But, um, but mulches are really good because as they decompose, they also, not only do they protect the, the surface from, soil, from weed emergence, but they also give back um, good organic matter into the soil. Cheryl, uh, with Pesticides. When do we get to use pesticides? Okay, so that, that's a great question, Mark. I appreciate you asking that. So, okay, so now we've covered cultural, physical, mechanical methods of uh, pest management. So, Mark asks, you asked me about chemical management. So, chemicals can be organic. You know, because a lot of people think when they're growing something organically or when they buy something organically, it's not no chemicals are being used, no pesticides are being used, and that's actually untrue. Pesticides can be organic or inorganic, or synthetic sometimes that's called. So you can either decide to use a pesticide, and again, I'm going to say pesticides are organic or inorganic, when you've tried all the other methods and you find that you just need a little bit of a, a, a boost to, to take care of some pests that aren't being controlled, by these other methods, or you can use them in concert with these other methods. So, for example, you might be using mulch, but you find that you're getting um, some weeds growing, still growing through, particularly perennial weeds growing through the, the mulch. In that case, you might decide to use some kind of translocated herbicide 
that would kill the weeds growing through the mulch that aren't being controlled by it. Any recommendations on what to use and, or what not to use? I know the okay. something like Roundup has gotten a few... Uh, Okay, so, so Roundup is, is a, a synthetic herbicide, and, and the reason people really like to use that is because it is non-selective, which means it, it, you don't, it kills both broadleaves and annual, excuse me, broadleaves and grasses, um, so, and also it is used for um, annuals and perennials. And the reason it's, it's very effective is because it, you can spray it on one part of the plant, the emerge part, and it moves through the uh, sort of the circulatory system of the plant to get to the roots. And so it's, it's, it's very effective. It's relatively fast acting. And, um, and you don't really, unfortunately, you don't have to really think about what plants it works on and what plants it doesn't. Um, I, I personally don't have any problem with people using synthetic pesticides, including Roundup, as long as they are very, very careful about following what is written on the label. And the label provides a, a wealth of information about how to use pesticides safely. So if you are using pesticides, it is very, very important that you read the label and you follow the label directions to a T. So for example, if it says use two tablespoons per gallon, do not put four tablespoons per gallon into the container. It won't, it won't give you any more um, better control. And so, you're, so what yeah. you're saying okay. is uh -huh. more is not necessarily better. More is never better. It's not a not necessarily. It's more is never better. Particularly if, in yeah. the area of plants. And in, in pesticides. Yes. You know, there's been a lot of testing. I personally do a lot of testing of these um, products. And then that information that I develop goes back on the label so that the, the company can tell people exactly how much to use so that they don't overuse the pesticide. Let me, let me ask you a little off the side here. You have a great deal of background in probably not only weeds, but a lot of other things. How did you get involved in? <laughs> well, that's that's funny. So, uh, so I, do you want to know the, the real reason? Or sure. That, it's so tell us. So uh, I, I actually. We won't, <laughs> please don't <laughs> and, tell anybody it, else. Yeah, I think, I think kids might find this funny if you're listening to this, but um so I always had a garden when I was growing up. I had apple trees, I had a grapevine, I had a you know, vegetable garden where I grew pumpkins and, and other kinds of vegetables and so forth. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I also, I just, I just really like science. Um, so when I went to get my bachelor's degree, I didn't really know what I wanted to go into. So I just flipped through the catalog of what the majors were. And I, I just found something that had to do with science, but it wasn't something that I had to take years of physics or years of chemistry or math. And it turned out that horticulture was the degree that was, was listed where you had to take, uh, um, you know, about half your courses were in biology and plant science and plant physiology, and you had to take, a, you know, a year of chemistry um, and uh, some entomology and so forth. But it was very practical, and I thought, ah, well, there's, there's the major for me. So that's how I got into it. It wasn't very like I yeah, just said, oh, you know, this is, I really want to be a horticulturist, but I matched my interest into what, what major it was. And yeah. so, I, I mean, just to follow up on that, I was really lucky. 
um, to have my job when I was working. I worked my way through school um, working at a research farm. Oh, and so goodness. that, yeah, so I, and the, the researcher that I worked with worked with weeds, weeds and Ooh. vegetable crops. And so it just naturally I just moved through that area through my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, and then all the way into my Ph.D. degree. Very interesting story. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, and, and to me, it just shows what we learn as youngsters. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. That's very comes, true. We find out what we like mm-hmm. and where we can take it from there. So yeah. what an interesting story. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. what you've told us. I have another little question, and I'm sure you have some areas that you would like to talk about to our listeners to help them contain and control, because as I mentioned, weeds are one of the three major reasons people stop gardening, because they get overwhelmed with them, (laughs) and usually it's about June, late June, early July, when the hot season starts to approach, and the weeds just take over. Uh, You know, I'm just a little curious. What are the other two reasons? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, one, it's hard work. Mm -hmm. And the third reason is bad results. Mm. Okay. So let's look at those three. We don't have to... Today we're only talking about weeds. Well, yeah, I can see how all the three of those things could tie together. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, now, what, yeah. where, where okay. do weeds come from? Okay, so weeds—that is a great question, because um, we have to go back a little bit into um, sort of the science of, of weeds. So many times we—you'll you'll start your garden, you think, oh, this is wonderful. I'm just going to um, have this bare ground and I'm going to, as you described earlier, you know, start work it up, you know, and, and set out the rows and plant my seeds and, and voila, I'm going to have a bountiful harvest. <laughs> well, what is in the, the soil that you may not be aware of and, may, and you know, it, you might not even have, have known this is happening, but the soil has thousands and thousands of weed seeds in it. So they may be suppressed until something happens that gets them to germinate. Like we dig them like up. Like you dig them up. They may be, you know, four or five inches below ground. And until they get to maybe the top one or two inches, they will just be very happy being gotcha. underground. Gotcha. But when you bring them up to the soil surface and start irrigating, you know, watering, then they're, they just go, wow, you know, now's the time for me to start germinating and coming up. So that soil seed bank stores all those seeds until they're ready to be withdrawn, just like your, your bank would be that holds your money. Sure. So you're ready to take them out until something happens that says, I need to start growing. So that is one of the reasons why when people start, especially in a new garden, where as soon as they start irrigating, then they start getting a flush of weeds. Uh-huh. And that's also, if we ever get rain again, we'll probably see that, is there's soil, plenty of, of, of weed seeds in the soil, um, on the hillsides, for example, but until we get rain, till we get that environmental stimulus, 
those weed seeds are just going to sit there. When we get rain, that's when we start seeing the hillsides turn green because all those seeds that are ready to germinate, boom, they do that. And the same thing in your garden. They're waiting, you get some irrigation on, boom, they're going to come up. And it's amazing when you see a hillside, for example, after it's been burnt by a a fire or something. Right. uh, And we have some... mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Rain and all of a sudden. Yes, it, it comes um, up. And so that's just another example about how, remember earlier on I talked about competition? Yes. Well, a lot of times we see this big flush of um, weeds growing, or sometimes they're native plants. Don't get me wrong if we're talking about the hillsides, but they start germinating just because they don't have competition from other plants after a fire. Yeah. There, I mean, there's also cases where the fire does stimulate germination. Don't get me wrong, but, but a lot of times... Um, Sure. This flush is just because the competitive plants that were reducing the the um, growth Reduce, were, were reducing go, are gone the competition. now. Right, right. Yes. Uh, okay. Is are there some areas that you would like to talk about okay. that would be helpful to our mm-hmm. gardeners that are listening today? Okay. So, so that gets back to the the conversation is really going in a, in a great direction because. One of the things that, that you said earlier that you um, pointed out that you said, after the plants begin to grow, you start to have weeds. In reality, the weeds typically start coming up before your crop starts coming up. And, and the weeds become more competitive to the crop, and that's the big problem. So what you want to do is turn the, the tables on the weeds. You want the crop to be more competitive than the weeds. And the way that you can do that, for example, in your garden, is you plant transplants whenever you can, rather than seeds, okay? Because then the transplants are already starting to grow and they will have a head start over whatever weeds come up. And then over time, particularly something like tomatoes or squash that that tends to have what we call a good canopy Mm -hmm. that can shade the ground so that once they really get that canopy growing and the ground shaded, even if you do get some weeds coming up later, they won't very, be very competitive because they don't have enough light to grill. You know, as I said, all plants, gotcha. you know, weeds are, weeds are plants and all plants need light. And generally, the, the more light they get, the more vigorous they're going to be. Sure. So you want the, your crop to be the vigorous plant in the, in the garden. And provide right? the shade to... And to keep out the other weeds. Now, the other thing that you can do, which is, is something that a lot of commercial growers do is they will pre-irrigate the garden. So it's even before you plant anything. Mm-hmm. What you do is you get your bed all ready, okay? Um, then you just water it. And I, I've never heard of that before, <laughs> but it's a, to me it sounds like a, a, a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Why haven't I thought of mm-hmm. that before? But uh, Yeah, okay, there, there's a lot of things that, that home gardeners can do that commercial growers have done, and you can adapt that. So, so you pre-irrigate it, okay, but by pre-irrigating, I mean that's irrigating before you put the crop in, mm-hmm. and then you wait till you get a good flush of weeds come out. And then once those weed seeds germinate, because those are the ones that would have germinated when you plant your crop, sure. right? So, you, so now you've got a nice little um, green area, because now it's all covered with weeds, and you go through that with a hoe, very, very shallow, you just scrape the soil. Okay. Uh-huh. You don't want to work the soil up again, and you do, do you know why? Well, uh, you don't want to get more 
plants that have are seeds that have been laying there dormant. Right, exactly. Deeper into the soil, sure. it would seem to me. Uh-huh. Right, that's perfect. So you get an A plus on that one. So yeah, so so you scrape off again with a hoe. You just scrape it off or do a very very shallow cultivation, no more than an, than an inch. Um, and just get, get rid of all those weeds that have germinated. Then if you want to, you can do it again, hmm. okay? So usually you, know, you, so, you, know, you usually wait about 10 days after your first irrigation to get a good flush of weed seeds. You scrape them off, um, then you irrigate again, and you can do that one more time, and then you plant your crop, you know, whether it's going to be seeds or transplants. And that should get rid of a lot of the weeds that would have germinated at the same time as your um, your garden, as when you plant Sounds your garden. Yeah, pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. It's just you have to be patient and you have to pre-plan. Okay, so you have to give yourself give about about two weeks before you're planning on I on see. actually um, planting. It works great. It really does. Wonderful. Okay, that is great mm-hmm. advice. Things that is easy for us to do mm-hmm. without being frustrated. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it gives our muscles a little work. That's right. To, that's right. Yes, which yes. Is good. So, so between that and then if you can use some kind of mulch, that would be great. If you want to use a plastic mulch, that's fine too, but remember that you've got to find some way to put the water down near the plants. Yes. So, if you're using plastic mulch, you're either going to have to um, use drip irrigation or else get your hose out and water the places where the, um, mm-hmm. you know, where where the plants are coming plants up. Are yeah, coming. right, right. And keep in mind, a lot of times, that hole where the plants are coming out will be the place where you're going to get some weeds. But it's a lot easier to pull the weeds out of that section, that little hole, right. than it is to do out of the whole planting area. Right. Yeah. Well, so that's where weeds come from, dormant seeds that have been down below for Mm-hmm. Probably many, many, many hundreds or thousands of years. Well, not quite that long. Not quite. <laughs> but but they could be down from um, you know one year to sometimes twenty years. I see. Okay, and there's a saying that just take this with a grain of salt, but it's um, one year of seeds, seven years of weeds, right. and the and so that kind of gets to the next step is that another way to reduce weeds in the long term is don't let the ones that you have go to seed. Okay, so, so you want to control them very early on. You want to pull them up before they get, get the seed because otherwise you're restoring that seed bank. Well, I've heard that too uh-huh. by my, uh, the, the gardener that uh-huh. uh, cuts my lawn. Uh-huh. We have weeds in our lawn but if you let them go to seed, they're going to almost take over your lawn. Is mm-hmm. right, right. Especially the ones that that blow. Okay, so that be like your dandelion, your south thistle, your groundsel. Yes, so yes. they get picked up by the wind, and, and they can go quite a distance. You know, and wind it's, is a great conveyor. Of that's right. Yes, yes, things. yeah, yeah. So and and to tell you the truth, you know, weed seed, weed weeds. Many of them have adapted to be spread from place to place. So. Um, they have seeds that are adapted for wind dispersal. There's some that are adapted to be moved in the water. Uh, there's, there's some that uh, can be on animals' fur and then on your shoes or socks, and then you say, oh, my gosh, what's this? And you drop it. You, you pull it off your sock, and then you drop it. 
So yeah, so weeds are very adapted to different uh, different environments, and they spread pretty easily. Well, that's great advice. And where they come from, you've told us about that. How to control them? Is there anything else that would uh, be helpful for you, for our listeners? And I'm sure you've got a wealth of <laughs> of information. Just while we're still doing this, is is there a site or some place that? Our listeners that are having an unusual problem with weeds, where they can learn more about how to mm-hmm. how to control okay. along that line. Sure. Yeah. So um, the first place I tell people to go, if you just want information, is to go to the University of California's Integrated Pest Management website, and that is IPM U-C-A-N-R dot E-D-U. And if you click on the page that says Home and Garden Pests, you can find a lot of information about about weeds in there. Um, On the left-hand side, I believe, I'm just going off the top of my head, uh, there's a, a link that says Weed Gallery that will help you identify the weeds. So often in pest management, the first thing you need to do is identify what you have. Uh, another good site to find out what the weed is you know, for identification is from the Weed Research Information Center based at Davis, and that website is wric.ucdavis.edu, and there's a link on that page that says something like um, Weed Identification Guide. Um, I believe you have to go through a couple clicks to get to the um, the set to get get you that, but it's a pretty easy method to identify weeds. And then finally, I really want people to take advantage of the Master Gardeners, the UC Master Gardeners in Orange County, and they have a helpline that you can email them with your questions about weed management or weed identification or any other kind of uh, gardening question that you might have. And that email is hotline, H-O-T-L-I-N-E, at U-C-C-E-M-G dot com. Wonderful. A lot of information. And if they contact, go on the, on the, either, any one of those websites, Mm -hmm. they can get information that will help them with these weeds that, kind of frustrate us from time to time, but the information you have provided today will be very helpful because very soon weed growing season will be here. That's right. That's right. Look out. Do do we find, uh, just just as from information standpoint, that weeds germinate at primarily the spring or how about the fall? Are oh, there... good. Yeah. Okay. So, so weeds are generally, weeds are classified in a number of different ways. So sometimes they're annual, perennial, broadleaf, narrowleaf, sedges, but sometimes they're just classified as winter weeds and summer weeds. And so winter weeds will germinate uh, generally when it starts getting cool. So that's about now and they'll grow through the cool part of the year. And then when it gets hot, they'll die. They'll, and then 
About that time, the summer weeds, when it starts getting warmer, will start to germinate and they'll grow through the summer and then they'll die when it's cool. So an example of a winter weed would be something like um, sow thistle. Whereas an example of a summer weed would be everybody's favorite, which is crabgrass. Aha. Very good. Mm -hmm. Cheryl, we've just about fulfilled our time. Maybe someday in the future you could come back. You're a great interviewer and wonderful advice for our listeners. Probably advice that they don't get any other place. And thank you again for coming. You're welcome. Thank you. If you have any questions about today's show, or if you have any general gardening questions that you'd like a personalized answer for, please feel free to visit our hotline and send us an email at hotline at uccemg.com. You can also visit the Master Gardener website at www.uccemg.com for lots of good information on gardening and also a schedule of events where we'll be speaking.